Views expressed on this program are those of the sponsors and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station. Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. Securities offered through Cambridge Investment Research Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer, member FINRA and SIPC. Investment Advisor Representative, Cambridge Investment Research Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor. Indices mentioned are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Asset allocation and diversification strategies cannot assure profit or protect against loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Capital Retirement Strategies and Cambridge Investment Research are not affiliated. Welcome to Plan for Life Now, episode number 108. We are sitting here smack dab in the middle of December. What are we, 10 days away from Christmas, 16 days away from the end of the year and a new year. Man, what a difference a year makes, huh, Dave? What a difference a year makes. I was going to say what a difference 45 days makes. (laughs) Yes, to put more a fine point on it. (laughs) Right. I did real research for today's show you're welcome everybody i basically looked at october 30th which was only 45 days ago the s p was at 4135 today last time i checked and i checked about 10 minutes ago the s p was at 4716 wow on december 15th so in that 45 day span the S&P has been up approximately 12.5%. I mean, that's within spitting distance of an all-time high, right? Right. That's within a a percent or two. I mean, that's pretty darn close. But it's the acceleration of that doom and gloom from doom and gloom to almost all-time high, a 45-day span of a 12.5% gain. Yeah. That always goes to our saying about, or it's not just our saying, (laughs) it's everybody who we agree with saying about not timing the market or getting emotional about these long-term equity investments. Oh, and I mean, let's take this out even further. I mean, I didn't write down the last 45 days, but I wrote down in the month of November, the bond index, which reminder to everyone, bonds have gotten killed for the last two years. The bond index was up 4.9% just in November, which that was the biggest increase in the bond index in 40 years. So that's insane. You know, I mean, (laughs) you can only repeat it so many times, but it's, you know, just goes to show you can't time these things. The sentiment changes so quickly you know, it it goes from six or eight weeks ago, oh, just put everything into a CD and just keep it there. You're going to get five and a quarter percent interest and you'll be nice and safe there. Now you fast forward to today. And I think a lot of people have realized, hey, wait a minute, even if I did put my money in that CD and getting five and a quarter percent, that only lasts for a year or two, maybe. And then what do I do? You know, I'm 
right. I'm missing out on, on all of these games. Have here. to look at that things, those everything and diversity. But ultimately, we don't believe in little formulaic strategies. Hey, if this happens, do this. So I caution you that the evidence of, of for what I'm about to suggest you do is overwhelming. Yet again, <laughs> no little formula is always right. Having said that, when financial pundits say something that's been going on a long time is, quote, dead. Right. Historically, you may want to allocate some assets to the thing that they said <laughs> is, quote, dead. And the latest of those things is the 60-40 portfolio. Yeah, the 60-40 portfolio, put a nail on the coffin, it's dead, never coming back. Oh, wait, 60-40 looks pretty good now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the all-time great, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, you can research, you know, all kinds of uh, different quotes and timings of of cover stories when, you know, they say, oh, this this is the next. I mean, even just recently, Sam Bankman freed, you know, is he the next Steve Jobs or, you know, things like that. Ah, a couple months later, it turns out the guy, you know, <laughs> not Steve Jobs, baby. Not quite. Criminal. Um, but the classic one was the 1982 a uh, cover story for Time Magazine, The Death of Equities, right? right? The Death of Equities. And it was all about how you can't invest in stocks anymore. They're terrible. Well, the next 18 years were the greatest bull market in history. Right. Well, that was so, a broad stroke. Okay. So that's food for thought. Not yeah. responsible when something the pundits say dead really is dead. <laughs> but so far, if that was your strategy, allocate more funds when I see something is dead, you would be doing pretty well. Well, and and kind of along those lines, you know, I know most people aren't going to dive into the details of, okay, the stock market is up, what components of the market are up. But the interesting thing to me is that, at least recently, the things that have been up more have been more of those dividend-paying stocks, uh, you know, more of those things, and not, and smaller cap stocks, and not just the big magnificent seven stocks as they're calling them. So for the first part of the year, the story was, yeah, the market's up, but it's all the the big magnificent seven. You know, right. Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, all those. Uh, and at least recently, that hasn't been the case. It's been a lot more of these dividend paying, sort of interest rate sensitive stocks that have have been up. So just and I think that's a good thing to certain. I mean, you don't want the magnificent seven to be the only thing that only goes up when you're trying to broadly diversify in the S&P 500 or whatever. No mutual fund or ETF you're in. So that's a good thing. That's good yep. news. All right. So it's it's been a pretty good year in the stock market and definitely been a pretty good last six months. But we did lose one of our all time greats, Dave. And I don't think he gets nearly the credit that he deserves. I mean, this is me reading a lot of stuff since his passing, but I'm talking about Charlie Munger. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Charlie Munger was Warren Buffett's right-hand man. He was, you know, some people say that when they would do their Berkshire Hathaway annual uh, conferences, you know, the annual shareholders meeting, these things have sort of become like a religious event for people where they make that 
that trek to to Omaha right. to attend these, and they would answer questions, and they would always say that that Charlie served as kind of the straight man to Warren's, you know, whatever kind of joking, folksy kind of attitude there. Um, but Charlie Munger, in and of himself, had a lot of really quotable, a little really quotable lines. And I think that's what makes Warren Buffett and by an extension, Charlie Munger makes them so revered is that they have these little snippets, these little sound bites that you can grab onto and say, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's some wisdom buried in there. Right. And I'm going to read one now. Go. I don't know which ones you have, but okay. I have one that I think applies mostly to what we do. Live within your income and save so that you can invest. Yeah. <laughs> learn, then he says, learn what you need to learn. That So part one is exactly what we, I think, preach with every client and most podcasts, which is we need to make sure you have enough income that you can live on and, and you need to live within that income. This isn't right. just our saying, by the way, this is backed up by, you can get all fancy. We do with all of us financial advisors with all the software that does all this. And all the software is also, by the way, <laughs> this is what the software says too. You right. live within your income, come with it. And we have to come up with an amount of income and, and work our way so we can do that. But live within your income and save so that you can invest it is pretty good uh advice right there which is never going to put you in uh in harm's way as yeah, you get the beauty of that is that it's so simple so powerful so true um doesn't have to be all complicated so i've i've actually that was one of the quotes that i <laughs> had written down that i wanted to do so i'll i'll cross that one off um but i actually even before he had passed away I started to listen to this podcast and now I got to go back and listen to the rest of the interview. Um, it's this podcast called the acquired podcast. And I don't know the background of the two guys that do it. I assume there's some sort of, you know, MBAs or something like that. Smart guys, but they basically talk uh, to, you know, business leaders and people like that. It's usually about companies that have been taken over. You know, I listened to one about Yahoo and they talked about, you know, all the, the inner deal workings, but somehow they got an interview with Charlie Munger about six weeks ago and they sat down with him and did, did an interview. And like I said, I didn't listen to all of it yet, but I'm going to go back and do it. But I was really struck by, as they were talking to him first and foremost about how sharp he still seemed, you know, he still, you know, his speech maybe was a little bit hard to understand at times, but for the most part, really sharp at 99 years old. And this was the thing that really struck me is when he talked about how hard it is to invest money, to stay invested, and to do that for a long time. You know, he, he said, it's not easy. No, these people who try to tell you it's easy, forget it. No, they're, they're BS, right? It's, right. it's not easy. It's, it is hard. This is not, you know, something where, oh, everybody should be able to do it easily. It's no problem. And I like that because I feel like too much of our media is consumed by people who are telling you how easy it is if you just follow their, you know, X, Y, Z steps there. Yeah. 
I like hearing from somebody with just a couple dollars more than I have. Uh, <laughs> it's not it's not easy. All right, let me go through some of the qu the quotes that I had here. Um, the big money in investing is not from buying and selling, but in the waiting. Um, and I, you know, I interpret that to be the, you know, don't get caught up in the hysteria of things going up. Don't get caught in the fear of things going down. You know, being able to have that even keel when you're investing. Wow. But, I think that's. Uh, but again, it. Like you said, let's go back to the last thing you said. It's not easy, but boy, statistically, when you look at good funds, you know, we'll say good growth funds or, you know, things in stocks, and you look at the 15, forget about the five-year horizon, then you're, you're, look at the 15-year horizon. You're going to see returns almost invariably that are really, really good. Yep. But it, it's, it, it is a predicated on holding on to that. Right for 15 years it's again his other point is a really good one emotion this is easy to say after the fact but harder to do but you know a lot of these sayings that we preach that charlie munger preaches are backed up big time by statistics absolutely um i liked this one he said like warren i had a considerable passion to get rich but not because i wanted ferraris but because I wanted independence and flexibility, I desperately wanted it. And, you know, this just made me think of a lot of our clients. And, and that's, you know, mostly the case. They don't want, they're not looking to get Ferraris and, and have some flashy lifestyle. You know, they, they want to be, you know, rich or whatever you consider it for that independence, for that freedom to say, I could work if I want to. I don't have to. Uh, I can go on vacation if I want to. I've got that flexibility. Right. Money in this country, if you're looking at it the right way, according to you, me, and Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, money buys you freedom. Yep. Freedom to do what you not want to do and to not, you know, have to answer to somebody for your livelihood. And boy, if that's your attitude, you're looking for freedom and independence. And you're not looking for material things per se, or overabundance of material things, and you are, you are mentally and psychologically on the right track when it comes to money. Yep. Um, all right. Now another one here. There is no better he no better teacher than history. Uh, their answers worth billions of dollars in any history book. I mean, you are a history major, right? You you've got to believe in that one. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> This is such a sore subject with me. I don't want to chat about it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I was. And I've always said, you know, that a history, that being a history major might be better for all this financial stuff than being, a, you know, an economics major or something like that, because it's so the, the lessons learned or so. But this is all across life. Yeah, this is an issue we have in this country, in my opinion, across all walks of life is the lack of knowledge of history, understanding it interpreting it and then using it for what's going on. So yeah, gonna, I'm all over that one. Um, I mean, some of these are just, they're, they're common sense, but I, you know, Hey, I'm going to go through them anyway. Acknowledging what you don't know is the dawning of wisdom. Um, you know, once again, I, I love this in an era 
of people going out there shouting louder than the next person that they know the answer and that they're smarter and they've got the solution. I, I love people who can acknowledge, hey, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, <laughs> and that's, I, I think that's powerful. Agreed. Uh, the older you get, the more you realize that. Uh, where was my next one? <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to be easy with relation to investing. Anyone who finds it easy is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I was going back to what I, what you were saying in the podcast. It's not easy, you know. Forget anybody who tells you, "Oh, this is easy. All you got to do is, you know, follow the thirty-day moving average trend and trade the inverse of the blah blah blah." No, it's <laughs> if it were that easy, everybody does it. You know, program a computer to do it. You don't need uh, no. any help there. Um, here was a, a last one that I had here, um, and he was. This is when he was talking about talking about experts and talking heads and economists in particular. And he made this quip. He said, "Yeah, they're experts in saying something saying something plausible and make it making it sound certain." Right. So saying something plausible and making it sound like a certainty. How many times have we had this discussion? Yeah. Maybe we'll have that again when we do our January show and look at predictions and stuff like that. But how many times have we gone through that? They they are very convincing. I watch that stuff and say, my gosh, these people sound right. Like they know. And then often they are 180 degrees off. Yeah. They're completely wrong. Well, <laughs> Let's use that to transition, Dave, into the last thing that I wanted to touch on here. And I, I just feel like I think this might have crossed over to people who pay a passing interest in the finance community. I think there's probably some clients out there, people listening, who have heard this because our industry has been losing their minds for the last couple of weeks. Um, and this has to do with Dave Ramsey. Um, for anybody who's not familiar with Dave Ramsey, personal finance guy, sells millions of books, you know, his his big thing, which no argument for me on this, you know, get yourself out of credit card debt, tough love. You shouldn't shouldn't be spending money on boats and motorcycles. You need to be saving and blah, blah, blah. That's all great stuff. But he made this comment on his radio show, and it wasn't just a comment. I mean, he kind of backed it up with a discussion about it where he said he would be perfectly comfortable with a client taking an 8% withdrawal rate, right? And his reasoning was, hey, the stock market long-term is averaged 11 or 12%, so you can take 8% and no problem, right? Really? And our industry sort of exploded. I, I mean, I've probably seen five articles, you know, in the last week or so, um, all about this, refuting this, because most people are familiar. He was answering this in response to someone who said, hey, Dave, do you believe in the 4% rule? You know, and the 4% rule basically says, if you've got a pot of money, you can take 4% off of that and adjust for inflation every year. And, you know, essentially what that tells us is, chances are you're not going to run out of money in retirement. No guarantee, uh, you know, in fact, the, the long-term data says, I think it's about a 90 some percent chance 
that you don't run out of money. And he comes in and says, eh, 8% is fine. And to me, what's so scary about that is somebody who's out there giving financial advice to millions of people without a basic understanding of how withdrawals and something that we call sequence of returns right. risk works. Right. Which you did when we were doing our public seminars for so many years. You oh, yeah. did a whole thing about why you can't take 8% off a portfolio. You can have a portfolio that averages 8% and you still run out of money within 20 years because there's volatility, there's ups and downs. Right. And there's, if you want to, if you want examples of this, you can literally go to Google, put in sequence of returns. You'll have a dozen examples that'll show you, you know, one investor retired in 1965, one retired in 1975. And just based on their difference in timing, one ran out of money quickly, one lasted a long, long time, right? Or, you know, there's all kinds of different uh, ways to look at it. So that was disturbing, but, you know, not terribly shocking. We know we've heard bad advice from other very prominent figures in the past. Sure, you have a lot, but again, they are, they are expressing an opinion without a client that they're dealing with and all the regulation and licensing uh, that's out there for good reason. <laughs> They're just expressing an opinion. You know, I remember years ago, Susie Orman expressed her opinion, or maybe it was her own portfolio, just all her money in bonds or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, again, if I put all my money in bonds and took 8% out a year, I probably wouldn't have a very long retirement, but that's not a specific piece of advice. <laughs> right. For someone who's working with a financial advisor who gave it and is licensed and has fiduciary responsibilities and everything else. But you're right. Awfully dangerous because people revere, you know, these folks. Right. Well, and I, I hope that this one, I don't have this in front of me, but I also saw this. Now, he's got a long track record of less than uh perfect advice but you know the rich dad poor dad author uh robert what is it robert kiyosaki you know he is constantly pounding the table saying that the uh you know the world is ending the you know the <laughs> everything's about to crash biggest crash of our lifetime so far he hasn't been right <laughs> I don't right. you know, not say well, if he was right, the world was ending. I could up that to 10% out of my portfolio every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you got that kind of insight, <laughs> have absolute knowledge of that, I'm going to change my portfolio rates I could take out. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're going to wrap there. Hope everybody has a uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year. Yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Enjoy. Enjoy your families as well. All right. We'll check in again with you. Bye.